is 1990. Welcome to Rain in Massachusetts. A man named Bill Russo is walking his dog, Samantha, on a dark night when out of the blue, something a little unusual happens to him. Well, first, it actually happens to Samantha. She starts shaking super violently, and Bill can't see or hear anything that might be bothering his poor pup. He's super confused, when out of nowhere, he hears the sound come out of the shadows. Kier, Kier, Iwenchu. Which honestly would be weird enough, but then Bill sees a strange creature walk in the light. It's three to four feet tall, with eyes a bit too big for its head, shaped like a teddy bear but with the head and the claws of a cat. And it's using those claws to tell Bill, come closer. To this day, Bill doesn't know what this creature was, but a group of paranormal investigators say it was good that Bill got out of there because that day, Bill encountered something called a Pukwudgie. I can't believe you didn't just say Pokemon. You were describing <laughs> Legends Arceus while trying to dash for something. That will certainly kill me. So I will ask what everybody is wondering. Loey, what is a Pukwudgie? Well, according to old mythology, a Pukwudgie is a legendary creature, literally Pokemon, said to lure humans into the woods to cause their deaths. They're said to be commonly found in a place in South Massachusetts known as the Bridgewater Triangle. But compared to other triangles, the Bridgewater Triangle is something else entirely. There's literally almost too much in this place for one episode because we're not just talking about Pukwudgies, we're talking about Bigfoot, aliens, cryptids and above all an actual pokemon it's a pokemon episode we have thunderbirds <laughs> that's a, well i guess it remains to be seen if it's a real thing but it's a real thing here we have zapdos in the bridgewater triangle everybody can you believe there's something that's like actually called a thunderbird i love it Welcome to Internet Urban Legends, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm Loie, your true believer, perhaps a Thunderbird fanatic. Wow, what is our starter Pokemon on this day? Thunderbird? Good question. Pukwudgies? <laughs> Take your pick. I'm Eleanor, your stubborn skeptic, your resident Pokemon master. You know me. <laughs> Together, we are the Gruesome Twosome, and this is Internet Urban Legends, where we dive deep into the darkest corners of the internet. We might find the answers we're looking for. We might scare ourselves into staying up all night. But one thing is for sure, we're glad to have you guys along for the ride. You hold the flashlight. I'll hold the Pokeballs. <laughs> Let's get this done. Listen, today we're talking Bridgewater Triangle. And I'm going to be honest. I did not know a single thing going into this. I'm still harping on our like Michigan Triangle episode. I you know, know. Where ships were going missing and stuff. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's kind of what I was thinking going into this. Like you've heard of the Bermuda Triangle where people go missing. The Lake Michigan Triangle is super similar. The Bridgewater Triangle is different because mm -hmm. as opposed to people going missing all the time, it's like there are just bizarre unexplained creatures at any given point in time in this area constantly being reported. That's my type of triangle, right? Yeah, right? This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? 
Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispie, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. So the Bridgewater Triangle is a 200-square-mile vortex, apparently a self-proclaimed vortex, within southeastern Massachusetts, 30 miles from Boston to be exact, and it's mostly swampland. It's claimed to be a site of paranormal activity, and it encompasses a whopping 17 towns. There are alleged sightings of UFOs, poltergeists, which are like active and super aggressive ghosts, and cryptids like Bigfoot, giant snakes, and our beloved Thunderbirds. (laughs) You know, when we started off this episode, I'm sure we all were wondering, what is a Thunderbird? I mean, okay, I know it was just Aptos, but it's like fine. A Thunderbird is allegedly a giant bird or pterodactyl-like flying (laughs) creature with a wingspan up to 12 feet. They do sound a little bit startling when you talk about them like that. But the reason that they're called Thunderbirds is some people believe that they open their mouths and the sound of thunder comes out. Cryptozoologist Lauren Coleman, who studies cryptids, number one, what a cool job. Dream job. <laughs> what are we doing here? Headphones off. Goodbye. This is our last episode of Internet Urban Legends. Thanks yeah, so this, much, guys. We're going into retirement <laughs> and becoming cryptozoologists because Lauren Coleman studies them for a living and they coined the term Bridgewater Triangle. Now, in 1983, Coleman mapped out where all the strange activities and alleged sightings were taking place. And all of them, of course, are happening within this triangle-shaped area in southeast Massachusetts. Now, there's no clear explanation why this specific area has been affected by such strange phenomena, but we can have a couple of legends to go off of. One in particular states that the land has been cursed by a Native American tribe known as the Wampanoag people. Now, the King Philip's War in the 1670s was a brutal conflict between the Wampanoag and English colonists. After their chief was murdered, it was said that negative energy remained on the land. I believe that. I totally believe that happened. I don't know how it creates puck wedgies. Little Ewoks. <laughs> Thunderbirds. They are Ewoks. Oh, my God. Ewoks. Wait. Yeah. My theory is that when you disappear in another triangle, like the Lake Michigan Triangle or the Bermuda Yo. Triangle, you end up in like puck wedgie land where all these creatures are coming out of. It's like What if you become vortex. a puck wedgie? And that's, that's why they're... <laughs> that's why they're approaching people. They're like, help me, help Come me. On. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Definitely a believable theory. But there's also a theory that this goes back even further, even further than the 1600s. Some triangle investigators think that the negative energy comes from the land itself. This is something we've talked about. Can land possess or can a space possess an energy? Local folklorists like Christopher Balzano, a Bridgewater expert, say that the land seems to be alive and breathing like some kind of monster, like the big turtle in Avatar. No. Scary. Scary. Did you watch Detective Pikachu? I did. Where obviously the Torterra at the end, like they get up and everything moves. Precisely. Terrifying. A paranormal researcher named Andrew Lake says that the Bridgewater Triangle is something called a window area, which is a location acting like a tear in the fabric of reality. So I don't know much about this theory, but seemingly it's like everybody except the land theory seemingly believes that there is some central vortex spot where these creatures are coming out of. 
So are they coming from another reality? Are we getting multiverse? Are like Thunderbirds just crows from another Earth? What's going on here? You know, great question. Honestly, what it seemed like to me with the earlier explanation that this is like a vortex, vortexes are just like hot spots of energy, hot spots of activity. And I assumed that it just meant that, you know, activity was going to be really intense there. But where are the teddy bears with the cat faces coming from? Right. A tear in the fabric of reality that would have to suggest that they're like, this is going to blow my brain. I truly cannot like think about this for too long because I will get very like existential. But (laughs) it's like, are they coming from an alternate universe? Are they aliens themselves? I'm saying... There are a lot of specific locations in the triangle that are said to have more paranormal activity than others. First, a 17,000-acre wetland called the Hockamock Swampland is known to be the hot spot of paranormal activity in the Bridgewater Triangle. Now, Hockamock translates to the place where the spirits dwell. That's fitting. It's kind of a lovely name. Yeah. The I know place I where the spirits dwell. To like Avatar, but yep. like the spirit realm, right? Many have reported seeing creatures like Bigfoot and Thunderbirds in this area. I get that they're not lightning birds, but I do want to see one. It's still a Zapdos. I it's don't care. It's still exciting. I don't care. It's also known for its sightings of something called spook lights. Is that not the most fascinating term you've ever heard in your life? A spook light? Which are unexplained balls of light floating around. So I'm guessing it's like the idea of an orb, but it's mm-hmm. just like a literal ball of light just going around a spook light. Interesting. kind of love that. It's your new contact name in my phone. My <laughs> little spook light. light. <laughs> spook light and you're my little puckwudgie. Exactly. <laughs> Sometimes the spirits look like regular people too, which is uh, not nearly as endearing. One of the creepiest legends is the red-headed hitchhiker of Route 44. Now it's said that a man with a big ginger beard, a plaid flannel shirt, and jeans is seen on the side of the road near the edge of town. It's said that he politely thanks the driver whose car that he gets into, gets into the car, and then disappears. So it's the brawny man. The brawny man is going <laughs> This is the most bizarre amalgamation of spooks in Every this place. time that you turn the corner, it's like, but wait, there's more. But Literally, wait, there's more. We haven't even gotten to the UFOs. Like, what no. is happening here? It's all made up, right? Are we just assuming it's all made up? <laughs> right? Like, Thunderbirds aren't real. Lowey, <laughs> wait. Lowey. I, I need you guys to know we just took a quick pause. Yes. Um, and it came to my attention that while I am saying all this for fun, our girl Lo truly believes in the existence of Thunderbirds, Puckwudgies. No, no, no. no okay. No, 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 no. Okay. It's not that I believe in a Thunderbird or a Pukwudgie, but I certainly think that there are things in the world that we can't explain. True. And I think that maybe someone saw something at one point and then told someone about it and then that got twisted and then that got twisted and then that got twisted and then suddenly you've got what seems to be 72 cryptids in one area. You know, that's a good explanation. I had an interview yesterday and they actually asked me about IUL. Um, And the interviewer was asking if I believed in ghosts or things like that. And I said, no, I don't, but I totally believe in cryptids. And she he was like, why would you believe in cryptids and not ghosts? I was yeah. like, because ghosts are totally made up by people to explain things that we can't explain. I also totally believe there are animals that we haven't discovered. Like that yeah. also makes sense to me. That yeah. said, the idea of there being this little meowth, this fuzzy little teddy bear meowth, like finger clawing people off the road. Obviously, I mean, listeners, obviously it can't all be true, right? 
Give me one cryptid and you could have me believing it. It's not that I think that Puckwudgies, little teddy bears with cat heads are real. It's just that like the thought of it is so endearing to me that I need it to be. You know what I mean? Okay. That's like fair. he's just very important to my well-being. Like okay. he's just a little lad. He's a little three to four foot teddy bear who just walks around and is like <laughs> a little guy and exists. And okay. I think that that's very important. I did tell everyone when we were coming up with this episode, I said that the Puckwudgie would become our new Mothman and definitely yes. become something so important to our well-being that I do want to protect him. But do I believe he is among us? I'm not sure. Okay. So jury's out on the existence of cryptids for Lowy. I think maybe there might be one, but it's not the Thunderbird because that one's lame. <laughs> There's also another spooky site. It's called the Freetown Fall River State Forest. And this is the landmark which has the darkest reputation of them all. Paranormal experts argue that there is a strong negative energy encompassing the forest. What does that even mean? <laughs> I woke up and I get the spook. <laughs> what? Okay. <laughs> sure. They said, they literally walked in and said, oh, yo, the vibes are off. The vibes are <laughs> off, bro. But yeah, I guess multiple people have said that the vibes are off. That said, the site also has a truly real dark history of various cult activities, Ooh. including animal sacrifices, ritualistic murders by Satanists, and suicide, sadly. So there is like a lot of yeah. bad vibage actually going on in this space. Police in the area witnessed evidence of regular satanic cult activity in the forest for 15 years, beginning in the late 1970s. I also wonder, were Satanists going there because of the Puckwedgies and Thunderbirds? Or are we to believe, I mean, are some to believe, that they created the Puckwedgies and Thunderbirds? Just a lot going on in this tiny little space of land and seemingly no actual causation. It was also the location of Fall River cult murderers Carl Drew and Robin Murphy. They had an underground bunker of creepy dolls uh, in the Bridgewater Triangle, right? And they were prosecuted for malicious acts against children. So again, real creepy things right. going on on this land. Right, right. And I think like when you get into, listen, 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 listen. I know that people believe that like you hear the term Satanist and it inherently means bad. It doesn't mean anything necessarily mm -hmm. unless they were doing something like particularly malicious. These people, the cult murderers, Carl Drew and Robin Murphy, they were right. bad. They exactly. Were bad. <laughs> but like, I'm with you. Like, were they coming to the forest because of the existence of these things? Or is it like that just happened to be the place and then they drew in so much energy that the Pukwudgies are coming into existence. Well, they drew in so much energy that that place became famous for being spooky. So maybe True. people started seeing weird things because they knew about. I'm really curious which one came first. I can't shut up about the Pukwudgie. So let's talk about it. Now, Pukwudgies, if you don't remember, because we have talked a lot during this episode and I have not stopped talking about them. So actually, it's kind of offensive to me if you don't remember. At the beginning of the show, we talked about the thing that Bill and his dog Samantha were scared of. Now, Puckwudgies are said to look like if a cat was a teddy bear. Think, you know, obviously like a toy teddy bear with a cat's head and claws. And then... They can shapeshift into a creature that looks like a porcupine from the back and a half troll, half human from the front. This is just like, this is too much for me. I think You know when a kid tells you a story? Too, exactly. And it's like, then exactly. you, and when you, and then yes. when you, yeah. Like who has observed a puck wedgie long enough to see them through all of these stages? Bye. Bye. It's impossible. 
they had me with Pakwaji too. And then suddenly he can turn into a porcupine. I'm cutting that part out of his story. Er, I think so too. Laura I don't removed. think it's canon. I don't no. think it's canon to the story. I don't think anyone's seen the transformation. If anything, it's like a separate ooky spooky. Not my Pakwaji turning into a half troll. Absolutely not. He's a cute and cuddly little creature and a little bit tricky from time to time. A little trickster. Now, Pakwajis are famous for luring people to their deaths. I think that they're misunderstood. However, it is claimed they do this by luring somebody to a cliff in this Bridgewater Triangle specifically. Mm -hmm. So within this like, you know, area of land, Mm -hmm. they're leading them to cliffs and either pushing them off or stabbing them, then pushing them off. I guess with With a little spice. A little. (laughs) Yeah. It's just like. This is such a fascinating story, and I think that the area certainly has something to be said for the amount of things. We're really going to talk about this up next, but the amount of things that ended up happening there. There has been a lot of tragedy, a lot of weird stuff. Who is reporting the Pukwudgie murders? If they can either just push you off or they can stab you and push you off, there are at least two people alive to tell this tale. One who has been stabbed and pushed off and one who has just been pushed off. I don't believe it. Where are these stories coming from? There's certainly something going on here to say the absolute least. I have never, ever done one of these episodes or even read a story where there have been so many back-to-back, completely, like, independent cryptids and paranormal experiences and all of this stuff. So... So far, to recap, just so we're all up to speed, (laughs) we've seen puck wedgies, we've seen spook lights, spirits, ritualistic cult sacrifices, Bigfoot, and Thunderbirds. So what else could possibly be lurking in the Bridgewater Triangle? The only thing I will always believe, which is the existence of aliens. Where are the UFOs? I was promised UFOs. That's right. There are UFOs, aren't there? (laughs) Up next, we'll talk about some of those spooky UFO sightings within the Bridgewater Triangle. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. As much as it pains me to stop talking about Pukwudgies for literally five minutes, we have got to talk about the UFO thing, right? The Bridgewater Triangle, weirdly, dude, like, we have talked about so much up until this point, but the UFO sightings are potentially the most, I guess, just like startling because the very first documented UFO sighting in the United States was documented within the Bridgewater Triangle ever. Really? Yes. Isn't that crazy? That's actually kind of, you've got me a bit. I'm okay, okay, tell okay. me more. Reeling her in, reeling her in. So it was on May 10th of 1760. First, people heard a strange noise echoing from the sky. Then witnesses saw a strange glowing shape above, bright enough to cast a shadow, even in broad daylight. Onlookers reported a sphere of fire so brilliant that it was seen across several towns. And this was reported by a publication in 1760 known as The Gentleman's Magazine, who initially was like, this is a meteor. 
<laughs> because there's fire. I don't right. know. Like it's a meteor. But they specifically drew attention to the unusual nature of a meteor, not only making a sound, but casting a shadow. For centuries, countless other UFO sightings were reported in the Triangle. We can probably go out on a limb here and say that in 1760, when people saw the very first unidentified flying object in the air spewing fire, mm -hmm. they thought the world was ending, right? For sure. Surely this was about to be Big Bang number two. Like, I cannot... I think I'm rendered a little bit speechless because, you know, I, I love to enter any of our paranormal or our spooky discussions with, I guess, bringing down the mood, my adversarial opinion. But I have nothing to say on this. This has just kind of rendered me. I'm like, uh, were they aliens? I didn't look Spewing into this. Fire? I don't know. That's really weird because, well, I don't know. When did the existence of aliens become a hot you know, cultural topic? I have no idea. Obviously, some people think that like aliens helped the ancient Egyptians build the pyramids and stuff like that. So like, who knows? I don't know that in 1760, they were just sitting there like the unidentified flying object was from another planet. Because if they did, they might be burned at the stake. Right. But I certainly can imagine that this was super jarring. And this did not stop in the 1700s. For centuries following this, countless other UFO sightings were reported within the Triangle. Now, in 1908, local papers reported on another UFO sighting. In 1968, several witnesses allegedly saw a large orb floating in the woods. In the 1970s, UFO sightings were frequently reported in the area's newspapers. But then, the most famous was potentially in 1979, when two Boston reporters claimed to have seen a home plate-shaped UFO, basically like a baseball home plate, with red lights and a front headlight flying over them in West Bridgewater. That one I don't believe. Give me less detail, right? You think so? Yeah. yeah. By 1979, of course, if there's, you know, there's been this place with all these UFO sightings, like, why am I getting, like, the Jetsons type <laughs> car? You know what I mean? Like, I just don't need that. I will say, before the, like, existence of human flight, it would have mm -hmm. been inconceivable to people in the 1700s right. that this would have been a flying vehicle or anything unnatural, Can seemingly. Can you actually imagine seeing something in the sky? when planes just don't exist. Yeah, right? That is weird. And Ooh. the fact that it was reported on, that's a little strange. This has me... None of the other sightings have really convinced me, but the very first one, that's bizarre. The Bridgewater legend has been made into films and books and is widely discussed on the internet. A documentary film titled The Bridgewater Triangle features paranormal researchers and folklorists sharing their expert analysis on the mysteries of the triangle. A must watch. A Surely must, a must watch. watch. Movie night when? <laughs> Do you think they'll have like renderings of the puck wedgies? I want to see. Like, oh, God. What? <laughs> it might ruin it. I actually have to go suddenly. So. <laughs> In 2021, a Redditor posted a story of his visit to the Bridgewater Triangle. Ooh. He shared that when he was in the fifth grade, he and his family explored the Hockamock Swamp and had paranormal experiences. He saw some sticks in the form of the Blair Witch symbol. Where's the association? Okay, fine. And something cold touched his shoulders, Ooh. but it wasn't any of his family members. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm laughing because it's like, this is like spooky 101. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. At least there's so much in the Bridgewater Triangle. Like, get more creative. Say, like, a Thunderbird landed on your shoulder. I don't you know. You felt the soft fur of the Pukwudgie, yeah, exactly. like, just breeze past. He saw cattails at the swamp being pressed down as if an invisible force was walking on top of them. Okay, but that is kind of scary. <laughs> it's the wind. I don't know. <laughs> he also saw a tall, dark figure with a white mask. Oh, God. Standing there without moving again. 
like, why is Slender Man in the Bridgewater Triangle? It's See, just, I was thinking Scream. Oh, okay. <laughs> both valid man. and both untrue as far as I'm concerned. See, you know I love when the internet comes into play and I love that there's like a 2021 story time of someone mm-hmm. who was there. But yeah, I'm with you. Like, give me more. Why the Blair Witch Triangle? Why? Things. Like, I don't actually know. I'm racking my brain. I don't know that I've ever experienced like a paranormal circumstance that was not like in a house, you know, in like an enclosed Mm. kind of space. The idea of like experiencing a paranormal event just while you're outside. We've seen or you've seen (gasps) like, what are they, streetwalkers or like footsteps? Maybe it wasn't you that had seen full figures, but I've seen like weird dark footsteps along the ground. And now obviously I'm like, it certainly wasn't paranormal, obviously. Yeah. So as a shadow, but I feel like that would be the only scenario where I've heard of people seeing paranormal things outside. You know, I'm trying to think of, I think the, the closest I can get was when we were together. We were in the Caribbean and there was the possum ghost who was mm-hmm. like clawing at our window, but it was like something was outside Let me in. Like, let me in. Yeah. But it's interesting. It's really interesting. The thing with the cattails really got me. But then you said it was the wind and you're probably right. It's also like the Blair Witch thing. Maybe this kid isn't making it up. But if this has been a spooky location for years, I'm sure people go in there and, you know, have their spooky moment. Yeah. Or just literally try to scare the crap out of people. Yeah. Paranormal Um, tourism. You know, I think that the Bridgewater Triangle is fascinating. And the reason I wanted to talk about it is because, like, was there a coherent storyline through this entire episode? No, because it is just like it is thing after thing after thing after thing. And the legends of this place are fascinating. There's a really, really dark history to the land as well. Right. And I just think it's like so interesting to see a place that supposedly has this much activity. Now, I guess like walking away from this, why do we think it has so much activity? Something I thought was really interesting and just a theory that I have is like the colonization of the land. As someone who grew up on native land that had basically been like desecrated and built over, I was on a farm that like literally like a tenth of a mile down was like native burial land that had just been demolished. And it's like super screwed up. But like I totally believe that that has got to contribute to just a bad feeling in general mm-hmm. and in a totally realistic sense just like this does not feel good because I know the history of this place mm-hmm. but also bad vibes bad freaking vibes you know I also I think there's something to like you said the fact that legitimately bad things have happened here right so especially a lot of the new accounts of weird things or bad vibes in the Bridgewater Triangle I think could be a self-fulfilling prophecy we've seen that a lot sure, with places yeah. where like you said, as soon as one person mentions something they've seen, then the next person does and the next person does. And over yep. the course of decades, a place becomes infamous for being scary. So it makes sense because so many weird things have piled up in this place that it's just exponentially growing at this crazy rate, right? Yeah. Why do you think mysterious creatures and dark energies gravitate towards the area? You kind of mentioned the dark energy, a reason that could be. But how do you think that factors into the Thunderbirds, the Puckwudgies, the UFOs. Right. I'm going to be honest. I do feel a bit out of my like true hardcore believer realm here because mm. like I love a cryptid. Don't get me wrong. But kind of alternatively to you, I believe in a ghost. That seems more realistic to me than a million different kind of like Bigfoots and giant snakes and Thunderbirds and all of this. Giant snakes? 
Oh, yeah. We didn't even talk about the giant snakes, did we? There's not really a specific story in the Bridgewater Triangle with giant snakes. They just kind of are there, I guess. Love just like, that. Love I, that. You know, but snakes get really big. There's this one species of snake that, like, they just generally are, like, 300 pounds. Like, massive, Ooh. massive snakes. So... I will take a puck wedgie over that any day. And I love a snake. Reticulated pythons, baby. They can get up to like 30 something feet. I've held one before. Her name was Sunshine. I think she was lovely. At the zoo. Love it. In the Bridgewater (laughs) Triangle. Not so much. (laughs) I think that maybe the vortex theory has a lot to do with this. The idea that there's like this energy in the area. I play Rune Factory and there's like this mechanic in the game where there are these little pockets of energy basically. And that's all I could think about as we were talking about this. And monsters will come through those pockets of energy and you have to like close them to end the level or do whatever. And that's kind of what this reminded me of the whole time. Like, are these things just literally coming through that energy? And it's like, then they're just kind of here. Or is it possible, and I can't believe I'm saying this, that people are seeing maybe an adolescent bear and they're like... An adolescent bear. Adolescent <laughs> bear. Um, and they're like, Winnie. <laughs> they're like, is that you, Pooh? I want to believe in Pukwudgie so bad. But like, also the giant birds. I don't know what could be an explanation for that at all. I dare say they don't exist. The explanation is that they sound fun. Well, until you realize they're not Thunderbirds. And maybe those stories are just fun to pass around. What if the UFO in the 1760s was actually just a Thunderbird, like spewing fire from its mouth? Can you imagine if the one thing that is real in the Bridgewater Triangle that explains everything is the Thunderbirds? Like I said, I believe that there are things we haven't discovered. That would be hilarious. I still (laughs) wish... It was a, a lightning bird, but I'll take it. We want to know what you guys think. Is it like really haunted up in the Bridgewater Triangle? Are people maybe just doing some questionable substances in the woods and maybe having some really fascinating otherworldly experiences? Let us know all over social media by using hashtag gruesome twosome. We, as always, would love to hear from you. Thank you all so much for listening. We are once again your hosts, Loie and Eleanor, also known as the Gruesome Twosome, and we've loved diving into the world of internet urban legends with all of you. You can find all episodes of Internet Urban Legends for free exclusively on Spotify. Don't forget to follow the podcast so we can continue bringing you a new disturbing mystery each and every week. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Loeybug and at Snitchery and support our show by following at Parcast on Instagram and at Parcast Network on Twitter. Stay gruesome, friends. Internet Urban Legends is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler from Parcast, Slash Management, and Ed Simpson, Fanny Baudry, and Leah Sutherland from Wheelhouse DNA. Sound design by Ron Shapiro, with associate sound design by Kevin McAlpine. It is produced by Jonathan Ratliff, Gemma Waters, John Cohen, Kristen Acevedo, and Lexi Kibben. Research and script writing provided by Judd Bookout. And we're your hosts, Loie Lane and Eleanor Barnes, a.k.a. The Gruesome Twosome. <laughs>